Hello, I am Trent Reinsmith, your host for the daily Come On Now MMA podcast. And it is Tuesday, June 16th. Time for another edition of the podcast. And I'm going to start off today talking about Amanda Nunes. So Amanda Nunes um, spoke to a Brazilian TV show and um, said that she was thinking about retiring. And her quote was, I don't know, I've achieved everything I wanted, I'm well, I can go on with my life, maybe take a new step, maybe find new talents, help some girls there, maybe be a coach too. I'm in a moment that I can retire, you know, and I'm in a moment that I can fight, I'm fine, there's nothing else to be done right now in the division, the Hall of Fame will come for sure, my life going forward, if I do stop now, the UFC will give me every support I need to continue having my money and work. Um, so her and her wife, Nina Ansaroff, are going to have a, their first child sometime this year. And uh, Dana White got news of uh, Nunez's comments um, from this television show today on um, a podcast with the Schmo. And this, the last part here where Nunez says that uh, the UFC will give me every support I need to continue having my money and work. Remember that when I play this clip of Dana White talking about, well, when he realizes that uh, Nunez is speaking about retiring. The lioness, Amanda Nunez, she's kind of contemplating retirement. She had, obviously, she's destroying the division between the Bantamweight when division. When did she say she's contemplating retirement? Well, she's accomplished everything she's done. Didn't she post she it on told social media? Or she Esporte Brazil. The Brazil outlet. Yeah. She said what? Um, here, let me pull it up. She's pulling it verbatim. I will kill her. Well, let me get to. Well, let me get to where I'm going with this, and we can circle back to her. What's going on with the female featherweight division, the UFC? You look at the rankings. You can't list 15 females there. What's the future of that division? I literally just told Sean and Mick in the last meeting, "Let's get this division built for her. Let's build this division for her, and 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 let's start figuring this out." Who's competition? Now she's talking about retiring. Yeah, she said, um, this is quoting, yep. you know, the article. I don't know. I've achieved everything I wanted. I'm well. I can go on with my life, maybe take a new step, maybe find new talents, help some girls there, maybe be a coach too. Hmm. You know what's awesome about that? When you think about it, her retiring isn't awesome. That actually drives me nuts. But uh, it drives me nuts. You know how I always say, if you're talking about retiring, you probably should. Unless you're where she's at. It's like what I said about Cormier when he was talking about retiring a couple of years ago. So if I was Nunes, I wouldn't be so sure about the UFC having my back and having my money um, after the, some of those comments. Um, what this sounds like to me is uh, if you're talking about retirement and you're not a champion, then Dana White doesn't really have a problem with it. If you're talking about retirement and you're a champion who can put butts in the seats and who can be a good draw and who the UFC can elevate the price of the tickets for when they come, uh, say, in Nunes's case, to Brazil, um, then, then, then you shouldn't retire. Then you should stick around and, and make more money for yourself which is, is one way to say you should stick around 
and make more money for the UFC. Don't retire while you're still at top at the top when when the UFC can still make a profit off you. That's what White's saying here. It's 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 nothing about the fighter. If a fighter was talking about retirement because they want to get out um, while they still have all their wits about them and they're healthy and they don't have um, long-term nagging injuries, then let them. Let them. Encourage them. Let them get out of this sport. This sport isn't something that someone should have to be in. Fighters should get their money, get get an amount of money they're comfortable with, and get out before they are too uh, involved with the sport that they can never get out. And that's, uh, I hope Nunez, if, if, you know, Nina Ansaroff has the, their baby and she decides, you know what, I have a family now, did everything I wanted to do, became a two-division champion, defended both those belts, I'm done. Good for her. Good for her. And White should not try and coerce her into staying um, just for his financial gain. He's going to be all right. UFC is going to be all right. You can you can count on that. Um, you know, in, in this time when I got guys crying about money, you know, one of our female fighters who could go on and keep doing this for a long time is saying, maybe I retire now. You know, she's got plenty of money and she can do it. Um, you know, nobody ever brings that shit up that the women – are treated just like the men here, you know. This was some of these other, even, even tennis, which is a massive sport that's been around forever and has huge TV deals. And, um, you know, they do the, um, uh, what's the one in New York that they have every year? The uh, um, Okay, so, uh, no, not Wimbledon. Um, I know exactly where to, uh, bar, oh, yeah, the US, US Open. Open. I mean, US Open, Wimbledon, all these things. And, and, and the women still don't make what the men do, you yeah. know. Amanda Nunes is in a position where she can retire. Yeah. All right. I just included this because it, uh, I wanted to, I did a fact check on it, and I just wanted to report that um, when it comes to the four major tournaments in tennis, they all pay the same to the men and the women. Um, the U.S. Open was the first to do that. And they started that in... 1973 Wimbledon was the last to accomplish that and they began paying men and women the same prize money in 2007 and that's from a CNBC story so just a just a fact check on that so you've kind of thrown some darts to the media a little bit over the past couple of weeks I want to talk about the future of sports media. It's no secret over the past couple of years, Sports Illustrated has laid off a tremendous amount of staff. You're now seeing cuts with The Athletic, who they thought that would be kind of the future. Having a subscription model, ESPN's got layoffs. No big media conglomerate is exempt from this. No. What's your take on the yeah, future? Yeah, it's, it's coming, you know. I, I you, you know how I, uh, I have this love-hate, mostly hate-hate relationship with the media. And, uh, the, the media these days, they're not. They're a lot of these guys aren't real media guys, as far as I'm concerned. You know, media. For instance, the other day when I was bitching about the, the Conor McGregor headlines about how I ripped Conor McGregor and all this crazy shit. 
they don't even interview you. They watch an interview that you do, then they write stories off of that interview without fact-checking or, or, or really knowing um, w- w- what the situation is, and they just write stories. So it's almost like it reminds me of when you were in school and they used to sit the whole class in a circle and you'd whisper in each other's ear, and by the time it got to the other side of the room, it wasn't even the same. Telephone. Exactly. It, it, it was, <clears throat> you know, that's what the media is like these days. And it, and it gets frustrating. Um, and there were actually some guys in the media that were, when this whole pandemic started, that fought against us hard. Fought against us to not be able to put on events. You fucking idiots cover the sport. What do you think's going to happen if if the sport isn't isn't uh, you know if there's no fights happening, if there's no you know what what are you going to cover? And you know I I never want to see anybody lose their job, but it's really hard for me to feel sorry for people because it's coming and you're going to see a lot of people in the media getting laid off over the next you know six months. Well, there's a lot to consider here. Most of it is just bad. Um, okay, so where do we start? So he thinks uh, some of these people who um, transcribe interviews with specifically him, I guess, uh, are not media members because they took an interview that was done, um, say, on video or on YouTube or what I'm doing here right now and commenting on it or just or not even commenting on it, but taking that interview and transcribing it and then not fact checking it. Well, let's be honest here. If we have to fact check what you say, then why 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 should we listen to what you say in an interview? There's no real reason to fact check an interview. Um, if you have an opinion piece and you want something cleared up in that opinion piece, you can fact check that. You can ask the UFC for comment, and that's what um, I do that with my bloody elbow uh, stories that are that are critical of the UFC to see if they want to comment on it. And they don't comment. They don't even acknowledge that they got the message from me. So don't say that the that the media doesn't fact check. The media does fact check, and I'm not the only one that does this. And the UFC responds to I'm gonna say uh, certain individuals who are a little kinder to them than I am or some other uh, media members are. But that doesn't mean that we we don't fact check that just means we don't get an answer because they don't like the story but that's not the case here dana white said something and he didn't like the way he what what he said was represented but what he said he said what he said was the headline on this story a little clicky clickbaity maybe but you can find a headline like that in, in anywhere anywhere you'll find the headline like that because the the goal is to get you to click on that and read the story where it tells you what white said so clickbait maybe does it misrepresent the the message not really but again that's that's not a that's neither here nor there when you say that the media is not doing their job because they are doing their job they just took what you said and transcribed it and you don't have to like it, but you said it. Um, but again, 
on things that need to be fact-checked, I, I know that, that it does get done. And I know that I do it, and I know others that write for Bloody Elbow do it. And I know that in my case, I don't get a reply. Um, and the the thing here where he criticizes the, uh, the, the fucking idiots as a quote who were against the UFC coming back. Yeah, that's true. I was one of those fucking idiots. And there was plenty of other fucking idiots. And I don't think we would change our minds. I won't, I, my, I still don't think that the fight should be going on because there's going to be another wave and, and things are going to likely get worse again. And then there's going to be a whole other series of concerns. But that should tell you how, how much we didn't want these fights to happen. Because not not to hurt the UFC, not to hurt Dana White's pocket, not to hurt the fighters' pockets, because we thought they were unsafe for society. And and I feel I still feel that way because I see what the UFC is doing on on their on their own videos, and they are not adhering to the uh, the COVID nineteen protocols. So I still feel that they're being sloppy, and they're not adhering to what they should be doing to uh, reduce the spread of a, a, a deadly virus as much as they should be. So, yeah, we wrote those things because we believed that the UFC shouldn't, hold, shouldn't have held these fights. And that should tell you that we find that what we think of the, 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 the journalism part of this and the media part of it, we find that to be more important than our, our own livelihood. That's the message. Not that we're a bunch of fucking idiots, but that we want the right thing to happen. We want what's good for the, the what's what's best for society to happen, not what's best for Dana White to happen, which is what he expects the media to, to do. To the, he wants the media to be his own PR firm and to you know, express what's best for him and promote him and promote his fights. Doesn't always happen that way. Didn't happen in this case. That doesn't make the media members a bunch of fucking idiots. It makes them, at least the ones that spoke up, honest, and you can probably trust those folks to deliver um, the message that, that they feel is best for everyone. You don't have to like it, but these are not people who are, who are going to, to tow a company line, and, and I think those are the people that you should read more than, than the ones that are going to stick to the script and, and do the UFC's PR work. Um, that's all I have to say about this section here. Uh, it was just, again, White does not understand what media is supposed to do. Doesn't get it. They're saying now because of the uh, protests, riots, and all the things that are going on that you're starting to see spikes again in, 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 in certain parts of the country. Everything is up in the air right now, man. It's, it's all... Uh, it, it, it's it's if you'd asked me four months ago anything about this business, I would give you a definite answer. I can't tell you anything right now. It's like some of these guys right now, you know, the big hot topic is everybody's bitching about money. Stop bitching about money and start fighting because who the hell knows what what's going to happen in six months. First thing, the protests and quote-unquote riots are not the only reason that COVID-19 spikes could be happening. 
There are plenty of other reasons, such as opening up for business and crowding into bars and other uh, places of business without wearing masks and without caring about social distancing. Those are also reasons that spikes uh, are happening. It's not just one side of the equation that um, that white doesn't seem to agree with. So don't point don't point the finger at these folks over here without making a a, a, a wider um, acknowledgement that it's it's not just one thing that's causing the spikes. But that's neither here nor there. Um, the, to dismiss the fighter concerns about pay over what's gonna what might happen in the next six months is uh, is disingenuous uh, at best and clouding the uh, and clouding the, the discussion. We, we white's right. We don't know what's gonna happen in six months, and and it could be it could be things could get shut down again. We don't know, but that doesn't that doesn't remove the the issue. In fact, that probably increases the issue of fighter pay. If I have to fight more often now because I'm getting paid less and fight under less than ideal circumstances, say I can't train because my gym's shut down, which is what is happening to a lot of people right now. I can't cut weight properly because I don't have uh, access to the right facilities because those are shut down, which is what's happening right now. So if the UFC really cared about health and safety, they would they would show it and and not have fights where people are going to compete at less than optimal shape and less than optimal weight cutting situations but but they are having fights and and so the concern about pay remains and it will always remain until it's uh, addressed and fixed because it needs to be fixed and we all know that the UFC is underpaying its fighters because we have seen the documents that says the UFC is underpaying its fighters. So don't try, White should not try and use the situation that the world is in to avoid the conversation of underpaying the UFC fighters. In fact, the, the discussion should be more urgent if he gave a single shit about it, which, come on, he, he doesn't. Staying on the topic of pay for a little bit, uh, all these uh, Joe Silva stories that are popping up um, at the same time the discussion of pay is is arising it's a little disheartening I think would be the best word because my fear is that these Joe Silva stories are going to um, take the uh, take away from the, the the fighter pay stories because they're more they're more um, click-worthy, they're more entertaining to read than fighters uh, wanting to get more pay or deserving more pay from the UFC. And, and I understand that because, you know, they're a little bit of relief from the day-to-day -day business. And, you know, talking about fighter pay all the time can get a little old and people can just tune it out after a little bit. But I would think that, I would hope that the big story it still remains that fighter pay is the most important thing being discussed right now, um, and not Joe's not how bad of a, a well not not how Joe Silva negotiated his uh, his deals with the UFC, with with the UFC fighters. Um, 
and not how he uh, did some fighters dirty. While those things are important, and and we know that some of them went on from the antitrust lawsuit documentation, um, we we know that that happened, and it's good to hear these stories. But don't let and I would implore people don't let them take away from the fact that fighter pay is the big issue. And Joe Silva and how Joe Silva kept that pay down is part of the issue, and it that pay still needs to is still down. So we need to keep discussing fighter pay, and, and don't let anyone change the subject or move it away from that that part of the discussion. So I, I just wanted to offer my my take on that. I was thinking about this early today. If if Gilbert Burns beats Kamara Usman at UFC 251, uh, he'll have gone from unranked in the welterweight division to welterweight champion in under a year in five fights. And then I was thinking about, you know, who else did that recently? And it was Cody Garbrandt, who went from unranked in the bantamweight division to champion in four fights? In 2016, yeah, he uh, in February he started a uh, February 2016. Um, he went from unranked to champion on December 30th, 2016. So obviously Burns has one more fight if he if he wins, and uh, so comparing the the two, I, I think uh, so. Garbrandt went through uh, Gusto Mendez, Thomas Almeida, uh, Mizugaki, and then he one-sided decision over Dominic Cruz. Um, so the Cruz fight came when Cruz had been... I'm going to see what, how long he was out of action. Actually, he was not out of action all that long. Fought on, in June 2016 and then lost in December 2016. So... Uh, one of the shorter breaks between fights for Dominic Cruz, actually. So, and he had beaten. Uh, that was his third fight that year. Uh, he beat the uh, Dillashaw, split decision, five rounder in January. Uh, beat Faber, unanimous decision, five rounder in June, and then lost to Garbrandt in uh, five rounder, unanimous decision, to December twenty sixteen. Um, so, not a. So we can't say that. Cruz had, had been out of action and, and that was one of the reasons that Garbrandt beat him but uh, Burns has defeated since his move back to welterweight in August of 2019 um, his last three fights have been Gunnar Nelson Demia Maya and Tyron Woodley so I would I'm going to say that Burns has had and if he beats Usman I'm going to say that Burns has had the tougher uh, road to uh, going from unranked to champion in, in a year's time. Odds-wise, let's see here. Burns and Nelson were even on fight night. Uh, Burns was a favorite, minus 190 favorite over Maya. Uh, Woodley was a minus 200 favorite over Burns. And Usman is right now... Uh, about a minus 200 favor, favorite. Uh, Garbrandt went 
He was an underdog to Cruz. Cruz was minus 270. Um, he was a massive favorite over Mizugaki at minus 625. And he was an underdog to uh, Almeida, who was a minus 207 favorite. So, odds-wise, maybe Garbrandt had a tougher road. Um, but I think just schedule and the fact that Burns did this coming off of a move from lightweight to welterweight. Sure, he had fought at welterweight before, but he had not fought for welter at welterweight for uh, since 2014 when he made his UFC debut. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Burns on this one. Um, I don't think he's going to beat Usman. I think it's going to be a fun fight, but I think Usman's going to win. But the odds are... Uh, they're not overwhelmingly in, in Usman's favor right now. but So it's just something, you know, to, that, that popped into my mind to compare those two. And, yeah, like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Burns just because of, the, because of the switch to from lightweight to welterweight and that he, is, he has already beat one former champion, and if he beats Usman... That's two champions defeated in his last two fights. So that's that. I think that's more impressive to me. But just my opinion. And last topic is going to be Dana White's confusion on what to do with Anderson Silva. And I don't know. I mean, do you, it, it, I guess it depends on what you want to do. Do you want him to go out as... Do you want him to go out on a high note? Then you put him in a fight that he... I mean, you don't put him in a squash match regardless, but then you put him against, uh, I'd say, another veteran um, who has massive name recognition, who who can uh, make uh, Silva money, make the UFC some money, and uh, you can build a fight card around that. Um, I, I don't know if it's a pay-per-view or an ESPN card. That's another thing that I, I, I don't know what I would do with. But... I mean, uh, so if you want to, you want to go out on a high note, do that. Give him a good fight and something that'll be entertaining, striker versus striker, so you can know it'll stand up. Uh, and then um, if you if you you know if you don't want to do that, then you match him up against an up and comer that that can uh, that can run through him. I don't think the UFC wants to do that like to someone like Anderson Silva, but. That is something they do, um, so it's not out of the question. Um, the McGregor fight, I don't care for it. Would it make a ton of money for everybody? Sure. Would it be an easy sell? Uh, I think those in the MMA bubble would kind of not pay all that much attention to it. But I think with uh, some good marketing, and you know, Conor McGregor's involved, so... The budget would be there to market it. Uh, you could market, you know, a passing of the. You can market the UFC could market as a kind of a passing of the torch of the the goat status. Um, I don't think that's accurate. That it's a passing of the torch of that status. I think Silva was, at one point, the the goat. I don't think McGregor has ever achieved that, nor do I think he will. I think it's Jones. But, I mean, 
the U.S. seeking markets how it markets, and we know it's not above stretching things a little bit to to uh, to to bring views in. So that wouldn't be out of out of uh, out of line. Um, Pettis again, something you could market. But I mean, do I have a, a suggestion on who Silva should fight? No, I, I really am not all that interested in it at this point in his career. Um, but you, but let's not forget Dana White has claimed that he is a fight genius, which was in the uh, antitrust documentation. So you think a genius would know how to book a fight with uh, someone who's been with the UFC for um, a lot of years, actually. Let's see when Silva was uh, debuted. Anderson Silva debuted with the UFC in 2006. So, I mean, after 14 years, you should know how to book a fight for someone that you booked uh, a lot of fights for. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't really have anything to offer on who I would put him up against. Uh, but I would make it a name fighter, and I would make it someone that would uh, sell a bunch of tickets for, uh, and and I would give him a cut of the pay-per-view, and, you know, maybe just make, maybe let him fight who he wants to fight. If he wants to fight McGregor, make it, then, then let him fight McGregor. If he wants to fight Pettis, then let him fight Pettis. But to uh, just screw around with, with, with Silva doesn't seem fair to him nor does it seem fair to the fans. Um, so just book him. He's done He's done the UFC plenty of favors. And uh, maybe he's owed one. And just let him fight who he wants to fight. Let the chips fall where they may. Pay the man. Give him his Hall of Fame uh, jacket or whatever. And uh, move on. And uh, that's all I have for today. I will be back tomorrow. Stay safe.